What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the ABJ Podcast, episode 90 with Travis Huckabee. Very excited for this one. One of the names on the scene that I feel more people should know about, so I'm very excited that he is coming on today. I'm a huge fan of what he does on the scene, and all he and I feel he should be out more places, uh, so this is why I want to have this conversation because he's very, very talented. Um, make sure you check the links below for all things ABJ, whether it be merchandise, Patreon, if you want to see episodes early on a Monday before they drop on a Thursday, as well as other ways that you can help support the podcast and keep the lights on we're coming close to the end of season one uh it will end at the end of this year and then season two will start hopefully at the beginning of 2024 we'll see how reception is and the people even want a season two but it's been a great journey a lot of fun some great names some great conversations and uh hopefully we keep it going uh, make sure also you check the links below for my guests, the ways to support them, as well as their social medias and merchandise and everything like that, or where you can find them, do their art and perform. Uh, really hope you enjoy this one. Uh, I want to bring my guest in, um, but as I bring him in, I, I have a little gift for him. Uh, I, I had some interviews recently, uh, so they're so the way you're watching them may be out of order of the way I've recorded them. Uh, that's just the way that it's been going, but the outfielders who are great friends of Travis, uh, decided they wanted to give him a nice gift to come onto the show. So I'm, I'm going to have this queued up here, and they have a little gift for Travis as I bring him in. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest, Travis Huckabee. <laughs> and, and there it is. There it is. Little little Travis Huckabee for you, everybody. That's right, courtesy of, of the outfielders. <laughs> courtesy of the outfielders. Uh, they, they said uh, that, that you should have that. That music will be the death of you, huh? I'm never going to get away from that. <laughs> I... I Dude, do we, do we have time for me to tell you the story about that song? Please, please. We have all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. So they, uh, when I first started, I was teaming up. Uh, I was in a tag team, and we had used my partner's music. Eventually, they decided, it was like, okay, we'll have him get his own singles music and so we can have matches, whatever, whatever. So uh, I had my... I had my first match with that theme and I hear it and it's kind of just like, okay. That, that's not... So you weren't, you weren't privy to the music before you hit the curtain. No, I did not hear it until they played it on the speakers that first time. <laughs> so I remember standing behind the curtain and someone turned to me. I think it might've been bore or something. And it's just like, are they ribbing you right now? It's like, I have no idea. So, Later on, I, I see the music guy, and I'm talking to him. I was like, oh, so you did my theme, right? I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I had my mom do the vocals on it. I was like, oh, no. So you, it was legit. Like, they were like, this is going to be awesome. This guy let his mom do it. How do I tell him? It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's very yeehaw. Very yeehaw. Very, like... Like um, Woody's Roundup, I would say. Uh, I'm getting all those vibes. Yeah, I, I have no idea what they were thinking. How, how do you how do you get 
in the mind state of your character, uh, and that is what you have to walk out to. <laughs> uh, to me, it really felt like they were given my name, and that's about it. Yeah. Because uh, how long did you have to use this music? Uh, the bare minimum. Uh, I think we ended up getting a new tag theme, and any chance I got, I used that instead of my solo music. <laughs> Were you like, I'll just be a tag wrestler forever, so I never have to use that ever again? So I, I remember there was a day I was wrestling up for Beyond, and they had somehow, like, I had given them my more recent music, but they still ended up playing that song. Probably the same way that uh, I got the music. <laughs> no, I think they had it because I had wrestled for them before and they had that song. But then, you know, fast forward maybe a year or two later and I wrestled for them again. And for whatever reason, they just played that song. So I think if you watch the match I had with Thomas Santel, I think I came out to that theme. And you might hear me right as the right as the music drops. Real quick, am I allowed to swear on? Yes, here? please, please do. <laughs> right as the music drops, you might hear me from behind the curtain. Just go, who the fuck gave him this music? <laughs> and I go, and I make the fastest entrance I can, so they just can cut the music. I feel like what your character is now of how you play this, like, always angry, like, I'll fight anybody. Like, I feel like you can make this, this music work. Like, you're just like, whatever you do, don't play. And then you're like, ah, you already come out hot because of the music. <laughs> I think you can save it. I think it can be salvaged. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for the day when I end up having my Danielson, William Regal moment where... <laughs> As Regal's making his entrance, they play the He's a Man theme. Yeah. Yeah. It'll probably be against, like, Weber, Arche. Oh, go! it, it would have to be Weber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, wrestle him, I wrestle him 10 million times, and we have we happen to have one in a big stadium or something, and then he ribs me with that. <laughs> so let everybody know who you are. Obviously, Travis. <laughs> um uh, give a little, give a little, little bio of who you are for the people. So I am, I am Travis Huckabee. I am the Golden Grappler, Murder Hornet, Submission Surgeon. You name it, bunch of made up names. Uh, I like to take a very classic style and combine it with way too much time studying medicine. Uh, just trying to find creative ways of hurting people. That that's sort of what I am stylistically. Uh, very technical, very like old British origins. Yeah, I love it. You're very very entertaining to watch, but I love how you are this super serious character, like almost like a William Regal-ish style wrestler where you're going to, you're going to lock them up. You're going to, you're going to mat wrestle them. You're going to shoot on them. You're going to do all that style, but then also you mix in 
like I feel like you shine the most when you have a comedy style opponent or when you're working someone who's not serious. Like you bounce off that so well, and they are some of my favorite matchups. Or when you take you and Mikowski, who are the most serious like killer, like killer, killer characters, and then you're put in blonde mullet wigs and you <laughs> and you go out and just have. <laughs> I was thinking about wearing that shirt today. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the best part about your characters. You're you're super serious. You're you're technical. Everything about that, like you would be like, this is the kind of category we put him in. And then you could also flip the script and be one of the most entertaining comedy, like the the brunt of the brunt uh, the brunt of a joke style as well. Uh, another one that comes to my uh, to me is uh, when you wrestled. I believe it was Little Mean Kathleen, and she put the party tiara on your head. Uh, was uh, it Little Mean Kathleen, or not Little Mean Kathleen? Um, Nato- that, yeah, Becca. When she put you in the t- tiara and she had you in yeah. like the, the, the yeah, yeah. And I'm, I was actually on commentary. I'm like, don't no one screen capture this shot and put it all over the internet. It will be a terrible. <laughs> it was it was a great moment. Uh, yeah, it was definitely Becca. My my fault, mm-hmm. my fault. But it was Becca. Yeah, uh, that was a camp leapfrog. First one of the first live shows, right? I was like one of the, or was that the second yeah. one? Yeah. I think it was the second one because I think the first yeah. one might have been Abby Jane's twenty-first birthday. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It was a trail mixer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was a trail mixer that that uh, one was on. But all of it on uh, high tension wrestling. If you want to go check out Camp Lee Frog, I'm sure it'll get referenced a hundred more times here. And uh, if you want to check out these references, please go check it out on uh, their their website. Everything's on there for free. Go check it all out. A lot of great moments. A lot of Great Travis Huckabee moments. But uh, when did you fall in love with professional wrestling? So I remember there was a day when I was young. I happened to go into my brother's room for something, and he was watching it. And I, it was a Rey Mysterio match. And I remember seeing him, and I was like, that's so cool. That is one of my earliest memories of actually going and watching it. I think I had some brief, uh, brief glimpses of it before, but I think Rey Mysterio is one of the main things that got me into it. Uh, and did it carry on from there? Like you just kind of became obsessed and kept watching? Yeah. So uh, I started watching it regularly, staying up past my bedtime, whatever, like uh, to watch the shows. I went to some of their uh, house shows, tapings, whatever, around was it 2009, my oldest brother started taking me to uh, some shows that were local, some of the independent ones. And that's when I went to my first Chikara show. Uh, actually, no, I went to Ring of Honor before I went to Chikara. That's a that's a change. That's a different that's a that's a different uh, style show, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I think it was. I went to my first Ring of Honor show. It was whatever year it was. They had the Cage of Death Ring of Honor versus CZW. Okay. I want to say that was like somewhere around 2007 or 2008. Is that where one half of the bleachers was CZW side and the other half of the bleachers was ROH side? They had a split, like a yeah. stadium style. Yeah. Um, I was oblivious to all of this. I just know that I was, you know, in the crowd watching this show, and I, I saw a lot of, like that show ended up doing nuts. Yeah, that a lot. Well, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe either two two people 
Fight may know have been either at that show or one of them have been at that show. And I remember them talking about it. It's one of those things I'm waiting for the streaming rights to go up because I'm not going to buy ROH streaming service and then they start the AEW one in like three months. So I'm just waiting yeah. for the streaming service to go. And that's one of the shows I want to go back and, and check out and rewatch. But uh, it is kind of weird. It uh, How much did it shape you, you know, growing up watching and being your first show, being an ROH, where your style of wrestling you are now is more geared to an ROH style, but then you get stuck in – uh, let's just say Pee Wee's Playhouse in Chikara, where like it kind of, and like I said that's where the best of both worlds of you are. Yeah, so I think that stuff had a weird amount of influence on what I did, uh, or what I do, or however you want to phrase it. Because while I went to my first indie shows were Ring of Honor, uh, I ended up getting just enthralled by Chikara. It was one of those things where. I was able to go regularly ring of honor. I went every, I don't know, three, four months. Chikara was one of those things where I could go every month and be a show. My brother would even drive us out to, I want to say Harrisburg. They had some shows. So I got to see that stuff regularly and it just got me more and more and more. And that's one of the things that really wanted me to actually pursue wrestling it became that thing that I wanted to become a part of. It was something that felt actually achievable to me. And it became a lot of what I loved about wrestling, the insane action, the sometimes goofy, ridiculous nature out of it. Um, but then you see me at places like Grind and I'm doing my own little Ring of Honor tribute show. Uh, just getting dropped on my head and hitting people really hard. <laughs> uh, so when you when you are bouncing back and forth to the two uh, and growing up, did you were you an athlete? Did you play sports? Were you into the collegiate wrestling? Were, did any of that shape uh, you be jumping into the wrestling scene, or did you go in completely cold? So when I was in high school, that was when I was in like my peak Chikara fandom. And if you ask anyone who was a Chikara fan that was a lot of the peak time for a lot of them this was in the late late 2000s so that time frame 2007 to 2009 or 2010 that's when I was in peak Chikara fandom I ended up getting into amateur wrestling because at that point in time I was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna learn how to wrestle and there's somehow gonna be a crossover between them I was like yeah yeah so I amateur wrestler for four years. Uh, I remains relatively active even after that. Uh, just trying to exercise and be more kind of aware of my body and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that that is sort of what led me into wrestling training itself uh there was the jakara school had relocated from one place to the spot they ended up being at for a few years in philadelphia to celebrate that they were hosting a scholarship challenge they brought in a bunch of people uh put them through the paces and decided at the end there'd be one person who would win free tuition to their school it just so happened that that was at a point in my life where 
I was like being on top of exercising, you know, good habits. I just moved back to the Philadelphia area. I was in Delaware for a little while. So I went to the tryout and ended up winning it. There you go. The rest was kind of history after that. That's sick. Well, the reason I asked that is for people who are watching this who may not be uh, pro wrestling fans or don't know the behind the scenes of it is there's a lot of people who I've talked to who came in of just like they were on the side of the side of the guardrail. They didn't wrestle. They didn't play sports. They didn't. They weren't they, no physical activity, and they come in and like it was hard. And then mm-hmm. you have people who are like, I was a D one athlete. I played football, basketball the whole nine, and I came in and it was fucking hard. <laughs> it's like so. It's just <laughs> so it's it, it's one of those good things. But it's kind of he- cool hearing your side that you came in as prepared as you could be, and here you end up winning a wrestling sco- like a scholarship out of it, which is good because that saves a lot of money for someone who's trying to chase a dream. Uh, so who were, who are some people that when you finally entered the school uh, that you got to start up with, is there any names that you're, that were part of your class that are still actively wrestling? Yeah. So in my same sort of sphere, uh, I had started training in May of 2015. Uh, about a month later, Crummels and Defarge had moved to Philadelphia from Ohio and they started training there. Uh, man, who else was in that group? Uh, what's her and, name? And they're both and they're both now trainers. Uh, they help yeah. out at what, the, the dojo, the worldwide dojo. Uh, no. So they're trainers out. Defarge was a trainer at the factory for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's since relocated back to Ohio as well as oh, okay. been back out there. They train out that way. They train okay. out of school out there. Okay, I thought they I thought they did some stuff at Dojo as well too. Uh I know they trained a lot of people who are then moved to the Dojo. Dojo. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you look at like the Lost Boys, um that kind of group, Harleen Lopez. Uh, I know they all, I know Defarge played a hand in their training. Yeah. They're, that tag team is so good. Like they're just, they're another tag team out there that more people need to be aware about. They're so talented. Their characters. Uh, I, I think that one of the coolest things that I got to experience is just seeing those, like getting to meet, all of you as talent and then meeting you as people and then kind of watching you go through that transformation of like, all right, now it's time to cut a promo. Now it's time to hit the curtain and put my character on. Mm-hmm. And then you come back to the curtain. You're just like, how do I do? <laughs> I'm like, I thought awesome. And they're like, my man sucked. Don't lie to me. <laughs> um, yeah. All those, all the Walsh boys, they're, they're fantastic guys. I, I know I've known, Ethan for a while, like even before he was old enough to train, he came and asked a volunteer to help out with the ring crew at Chikara. Oh, wow. And he would always came with the best attitude and the best work ethic and everything. So I've got nothing but nice things to say about Ethan. And from what I know about the rest of the Lost Boys, really solid. They're a good group. Really good mm-hmm. group of kids. Yeah, I had I've, I haven't had the Molly in yet, but that's my bucket list to get every member on that. I've had uh, Junie on so far. I've just had Junie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Junie's a good guy. He's 
He's a funny dude, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they were all they were all some of Defarge's kids. As far as my students, I would consider Abby Jane, Pancakes, um, Ryan Ace, and probably Albanero are the four that I had the main kind of influence over when I was a trainer there. Nice. Brian is someone too. Like I met him sweetheart kid and like you look at him and you're like, all right, like what's the, what's, what's, what's appealing to this kid? Like what's going to make when he hits the curtain cool or what's going to make him stand out. And then he hits the curtain and he's like, yeah, and you're like, all right, wrestling one-on-one you're doing it. But he has a way of grabbing the crowd. Like he, he, he can control a crowd very well. Like I guess he uses that look of like, you have to win me over. And he just finds a way to either make you that he makes himself either the biggest baby face or he gets you in that way and then completely turns heel and makes you the biggest scumbag you've ever seen too. Like he's, he's very good at what he does. He bombs very well. He sells very well. He's a good, uh, he's a good hand. Like he's just, he's very talented. I'm a very big fan of him. Yeah. And he's always someone who will always look for feedback and he will always try to apply that. Yeah. It's just so, that uh, is so valuable. How how long into you in, into your you know training and doing everything and working in the business? Then you became a trainer yourself. How long was that gap? So I started training May of 2015. I had my first match in the winter of 2016. I want to say that was made my official debut in front of a live. I'll call it a live crowd. Um. February 2017, I think I was then, you know, I was there, I was training for maybe another year or so before I got invited to be a coach at the factory. Nice. Well, what do you think was one of the, some of the reasons they picked you to be a coach? What do you think you brought to the table or what do you think makes you stand out as a wrestling coach? So one of those things that I kind of take my take pride in myself is I'm a bit of a perfectionist with certain things. Uh, there will be things that I will try to fully understand at, at least the way that my brain works. It's not a matter of just doing a move. It's, doing a move, understanding how the move works, understanding what it does to someone and all the kind of ins and outs of that. So I think it was really that attention to detail uh, that I've, that helps me apply that as a coach, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the, you're, you're not just about the, the move itself, but the psychology behind it. Yeah. And just, I touched on it earlier, uh, my background in medicine that wasn't meant as just a joke. I did go to college. I studied sports medicine. I do have a background in understanding how the body works and how it's not supposed to work, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it's just all those kind of um call it academic approaches to training, I guess. 
Yeah. Now, what your sports medicine degree do? What do you do uh, with that? Are you like like what, what does that profession get you like shoot job wise? So for a while, I worked as an athletic trainer uh, at various schools. I was at. Uh, so like you need your ankle I, tape. You need to get checked out at if you get hurt playing basketball. Yeah, you need your ankle was, tape. You need, yeah. Yeah, that that I feel like is a little reductive of it, but it was basically that it's being the first person there when something goes wrong, trying to figure out what is wrong with it, what they can do, what they should do. Um, yeah. You're like the first doctor a kid's going to see when he rolls his ankle in a, in a game or like, Hey, I rolled my ankle. All right. Well, it's not bad enough that you are off your feet, but I'll give you preventative treatments or, uh, yeah, protection to keep you moving. Trainers are super important. They, uh, that's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a great job and it's a great way to, to help people, mm -hmm. not just in that industry, but I'm sure it helps out a lot in uh, professional wrestling. Like someone tweaks their ankle, like, Oh, go see Travis. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely done that. Oh man, not to completely go off here. I remember there was a day um, we were doing monkey flips of all, of all things someone legitimately like broke her ankle landing from a monkey flip. It was one of those things where like, you know, instantly something is wrong and then you like kind of go up and you're looking at the area person tries lifting up their leg, their leg goes up, their foot stays right where it was. I was like, Oh yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get an ambulance here. Yeah. I one of my best injuries ever was uh, football practice. I go to hit a kid because I'm pissed. I want to start playing more. I want more time in the field. So I have my Rudy moment. I lay down in a nutcracker position. We're gonna get up. We're gonna hit each other. Star running back. He's twice my size. He's an animal. And we, we blows the whistle, and I'm just all adrenaline. And I pick him up and I slam him down, and I roll through the tackle. It looked awesome. It was like movie quality. And I go to get up, and I'm like, I can't feel my fingers. And, I, I, oh, and I'm, like, oh. trying to throw my arm, but it's not moving. So they think I'm, like, arm pumping, like, yeah! But here I'm trying to, like, shake feeling into my arm, and I have no feeling. And my arm's just oh, going around like a limp noodle. So I go over to my coach, who thinks I just taunted, and he's like, get out of my face. So I go over to the other coach, and I go, I think there's something wrong with my shoulder. And I just remember him feeling like he goes under my shoulder pad, and he goes to, like, grab my shoulder, and his fingers touched. Like, there was oh, nothing man. there. And he goes, you need to go to the trainer now. And my friend said, you walked off the field and your hand was touching your knee and you were standing straight up. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah. So I get in there. I go to the trainer who's seen, in my opinion, probably everything. And he comes in and he goes, does the same thing. And he goes, his, he just turns white and he goes, I don't know where your shoulder is. And I go, what? And he takes off my shoulder pads really carefully and the ball of my shoulder. So when my shoulder dislocates, this is what I found out. Because uh, I've done it a thousand times after. It doesn't pop out the front. It doesn't pop off the back. It goes down into my armpit, almost into my chest cavity. And it just stays. And then I have to, like, pop it up and back in. <laughs> oh, but, like, the trainer just is like, we're calling an ambulance. I have no idea. I've never seen this before. Here I found out I have a, I have a joint disorder. So I'm, like, extremely hyper hypermobility. And sometimes mm -hmm. joints just fall out of socket for me, but that's what happened. Like, I hit a kid and just went into my arm. Like my chest looked good. I had a good, I had a good pet going, but uh, it was all shoulder. <laughs> I, 
again, getting even more off topic. Uh, I'm trying to make this long story as short as I can. We have time. Uh, have fun. So do you remember a couple years ago when there was that big snowfall in Texas where everything just like shut down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have power grids and stuff. I happened to be in Texas at the time. Ted Cruz went to the Bahamas or something, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I was legitimately in Texas at the time. So I was there with a friend of mine. We were snowed in, and that that could be a story in and of itself. Um, just as we're uh, like hanging out, being snowed in, watching you know, great British bake off and binging with Babish and whatever else <laughs> um, through the course of the days that I was there, something happened and my friend had dislocated her shoulder. So it was kind of up on me. It was like, shit, I need to put this back in. If I don't, there's no way an ambulance is going to get here. Oh boy. So that was probably the most, intense instance of my college education having to come into play. <laughs> How did you get it back in? Uh, did you, I, did I you die hard it like run into a wall style or did you? No, it was one of those <laughs> things where you, you move the arm around and then like it finds its way. Yeah. It's like, it's so loud when it goes back in too. It's not like a shotgun goes off. At least yeah. mine does. <laughs> well, luckily, I, I don't know if this is lucky or not, but uh, she had dislocated that one a couple times before, so it was easier to get in. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was still one of those things where, yeah, it sucks because it's out, but if it was like the first time it's ever happened, that would have been so bad. Panic. Pure panic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First three times I did, I was like, oh my God. And then after that, I'm just like, I'm like I do it in my sleep. I'll pop it out in my sleep and I'll just put it back in and go right back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you, you get used to it, I actually got sick of going to the ER. So I went to a specialist and I was like, yo, how do you put it back in? And they, they're like, all right. So when you do it, and they taught me like the motions where you grab, like, so when a mind goes out, my bicep turns to the right. My forearm looks like it goes to the left, and my wrist goes like my arm looks all contorted. So I have That's to grab my wrist. I bring it up to my thing. I grab my elbow, and then I just kind of push up and like this way, and it just goes and it pops back in. And he taught me how to do it, and I do it ever since. <laughs> it yeah. hurts like hell, but it gets. I don't. It saves me an ER bill. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I've got a friend who, uh, it's a different friend. Like when his pops out, he's just like. They tell me just to grab onto my knee and then like pull from my knee and it pops back in. Yeah. Like, okay. That, that's great that you can do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like it, Mr. Fantastic, except I don't, uh, I don't have cool powers. It just hurts really bad. <laughs> that's why I'm a commentator guy. I don't, I don't ring go. time for me. <laughs> I would get in there with you and you would literally turn me into stretch Armstrong. I would, all my joints would be out. I would be just laying there like a, like a stump. <laughs> do, you, do you know, uh, do you know waves and curls, the tag team? Uh, no. Uh, there are two guys up in the new England area. Uh, there's a big guy and a little guy. 
And there was one day I was wrestling those guys and I was doing my thing and uh, the smaller the smaller of the two guys, I'm like twisting his ankle and I didn't know he had a lot of mobility in his ankle. So I go and I twist it and it keeps going <laughs> and it gets to the point where I'm like <laughs> <laughs> and everyone on the outside is kind of just like, hey. <laughs> did it come out or just kept going? No, it just, uh, he's one of those people that, like, if you just twist on his leg, he's got a lot of mobility in it. Uh, Shay McCoy is the same way. Like, if you twist on her ankle enough, it's got a lot of mobility and it looks disgusting. Yeah. Well, she also there. broke both of them, right? She she talked about in the podcast she broke both of her ankles. I think I was I know I was there one of the times she broke it. Doing kip ups. Um, yes, and it was the best <laughs> it was the best kip up I've ever seen her do. Uh she gets such a great pop, lands on her feet, and then just crumbles. And I've never seen her do a kip up since. Yeah, she's like, I'm done. That's just not my move. <laughs> not my <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> we'll talk about that more in a future episode. Uh, we'll, she'll she'll tell that whole story. Um, yeah, so coming out of the Chikara, um, I know it, it is a repeat question you're going to hear asked, but it, I think it's super important because, you know, everything that went down, we're not going to go into that or talking about any of that, uh, the negative stuff. But I, I like to pull out the positive of, you know, there's a lot of very talented people who have come out of that school and are still working the scene now. And a lot of people that we are watching on TV that come from that product of Chikara, uh, working with some of those people who have moved on to that higher level, is there anything that you've got from them that helped you out in, in, in later on in your career? I'm trying to think of specific things. I feel like it's just been so much. I, I don't know if I could narrow it down to one or two specific things out of them. Yeah. I, the, the biggest thing I get is like every Chikara kid like from your generation that, that that came beyond that behind that one is you are all very attentive to detail when it comes to your character, your character development, making your character make sense. And as well as a storytelling in a match, like you may not be telling a story in a promo or telling a story, you know, it, on TV, like you, everyone has the chance to, you're telling a story in between those ropes. And I feel like that's what makes that entire group of people that came out of there insanely special as you have that eight minutes to tell something and then mm -hmm. you look at people like your avery goods and your orange cassidy's and your eddie kingston's and your claudio's who all came from that generation and that's what they that's what makes them shine is like you mm -hmm. watch a cassidy match or any kingston match or anyone who came out of that generation before you guys and it's just like they're just <clears throat> they're brilliant at it that's, that's what makes them shine that's that's why they're on tv right now yes i i've been so lucky in the time I got to spend training with uh, Arch Cassidy and because he's absolutely someone who understands how things work, how things are supposed to work, why they work. He's got such a brilliant sort of way of looking at things. Uh, and I guess if there was going to be anything, it would kind of be in into that of having that story and having things make sense. Which is amazing because his biggest, his biggest re his hate for people who don't like him is his character doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense because they don't want it to make sense. 
But it, he he will go down in wrestling history as the one and only character who has been like that. Like he said it perfectly mm-hmm. in his press conference. I didn't want to be the next insert name here. My favorite wrestler growing up, Jake the Snake. I didn't want to be Jake the Snake. I wanted to be the first Orange Cassidy, and he yeah. accomplished that. No matter what happens from now to the end of his career, there will never like he set the tone of that character. There has never been anything before him like that, and there'll probably be a hundred things after him who are people going to be imitating that. Like he set a bar, and I think that's. That's a cool legacy to live on the the world of professional wrestling. Absolutely. It's people who don't understand the character are looking at wrestling in such a narrow box. Mm-hmm. It's, character makes sense in the sense that it is almost like the anti-character. It is a very postmodern view of uh, wrestling. And that's kind of the beauty of it. He's just too, too. He's too cool and too lazy to give a shit. He's yeah. too cool for everything. He just, and then when he has to turn it on, he'll be the best you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's a, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, is there anything else besides the the things that we brought up that you feel like you really pulled out of that generation too? When it comes to anything like that, that like, oh man, it's. If not, we it, can move on. It, yeah, it, it's fine. It's it's so difficult for me to try to narrow things down. I, I just it, couldn't imagine being around that many talented. Like I still look back at our time at Camp Lee Frog and High Tension and all the other places and uh, people I've been around and just being like, I can't like how you're saying I can't narrow down everything at once because you put yourself like iron sharpens iron. When you put yourself around so many creative people, like it helps you become a better person in your industry. And I couldn't imagine coming from that school and, and the history of the people who came out of it. And now what they do now and just I feel like if you didn't get good after that, something it's on you. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's maybe the biggest thing that I'll contribute to those guys is uh, they were very much what shaped my fandom of wrestling by that. I mean, everyone, every wrestler, whether they admit it or not, I think subconsciously tries to emulate the kind of wrestling that they watch and that they enjoy. I was very lucky in, having such amazing stuff to watch i think in my my interest my likes of wrestling and trying to emulate that i have such a fantastic batch of people to emulate from Mm -hmm. so going through school and and going through the school of the product you watched on the indie scene and being in the crowd and watching them all as characters and develop when you finally get your training and you go through everything and you're going to get your first match, you're going to get the square up with them either at a training camp or in front of a crowd. Who is that first name that you're like, you were a fan of and then you got to work and it was like that surreal moment. Oh man. Going back through my Rolodex of people I wrestled. The first First of all, might have been Colt Cabana. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think... I don't think I did too much craziness in my first year or so. I got to... I got to do stuff with some of my trainers and everything, but that had sort of gotten desensitized to me. It was like, you 
you train with these guys every week, so it's kind of just like, oh yeah, it's me wrestling a match with Hollow Wicked, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but was your first couple of weeks at training school though being like, oh my god, I'm with these guys? Though, like, did you have that? Like, you're trying to stay oh, cool, absolutely. but in your head, you're you're marking out. <laughs> absolutely, it's one of those things where you see, uh, you see some of these guys without the mask on, and like, oh my god. <laughs> Am I allowed to see this right now? <laughs> I still can't get over that. When I when I I'm like, <gasps> you're like you're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Why is every masked wrestler the most handsome man I've ever seen? I've been saying this. Every person behind the mask is some of the best looking people I've ever seen in my life. Like I, I, I don't get it. Who do you think the who, like? Because I don't know who all has been masked or say they've been masked. But who who's your number one? Like you're like all right behind that mask is the most beautiful person i've well, ever seen the this might be a slight kingsway bias but handsome max that's been uh, very that turned into his personality yeah, he wore a yeah. Mask and then they he took it off and the internet at wide was like oh my god he's handsome yeah and it's completely <laughs> changed his self-confidence and everything it's he is handsome max now yeah I, um whisper uh, Good looking guy. Yeah, but the weird thing is, is that I went to high school with Whisper. Like, <laughs> I, I knew that guy since 2006. Is that what I, I want to say? He looks like he could be a GQ model. And I'm like, why are you wearing a mask? Like, you look like this varsity high school football co- ca- captain. You know well, what I mean? Like, well, he, it's only an entrance mask. He doesn't wear it when he actually wrestles. Yeah, I'm not uh, Whisper. Um, who am I thinking of? Um, is it Hush with the zipper? Uh, talking Logan Easton Laroe. I, I didn't oh, want to say his actual. Right. I didn't know. I didn't know if that ever been that character has ever been separated. But yeah, yeah that, blank. So blank, blank, were, blank, blank, blank. I always whisper, whisper and blank. I always get. I don't know why I do that. So, uh, a little, a little backstory for you. The reason why Blank even wore a mask in the first place, uh, he was wrestling, he was feuding with the guy who used to be his tag team partner. Um, but his character had turned into such a narcissist type character that for their big blow off match, the stipulation was a loser had to wear a mask. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So that's why he was masked. And the point of it having a zipper was so that you know they could force him to shut up yeah <laughs> and he's having his last match i've seen like he's he's looks like he's, he's maybe coming to the end of his of the road there yeah he's he's hanging up the boots his retirement match as far as i know it is going to be against wheeler yuda that's sick it, insanely talented logan's so good one of my like actually the him with max when max uh unmasked like one of the that match was a banger. Like Logan is yeah. crazy talented. Uh, one of the people I feel like him and Avery are like, like two. I look at I'm like, why are they not on TV? Like crazy good. Avery Good's another guy who's like ridiculously handsome. Like yeah, then, but he <laughs> was under all the time. For so many years. <laughs> um, Weber Hatfield, so ridiculously another one. handsome. Wore, wore a mask for his start, took it off. Everyone was like, wow, he kind of looks like, you know, Winter Soldier. 
Yeah. <laughs> a small winter soldier. Yeah. You let uh, the dryer and he shrunk a little bit. <laughs> uh, so who are some matches on the scene that you haven't had that you wish you had so far? Maybe speak them into existence that you would like to work or wrestle. I, I know I've got a list. I don't know why I'm blanking. The first one that comes to mind, just because I saw a Twitter post about it earlier, um, Grind was posting that Gary J is coming back to grind for a show. And I'm just like, you know, we could fight those guys. I could fight that guy. We can kill each other. Uh, Have you ever got that match with that bear you were looking for? So another one, I, I would love to be able to. <laughs> I, I know someone who I look up to and respect the hell out of is JD Drake. Okay. Uh, be fantastic to wrestle him either as a singles or in a tag match. Um, some variation on Kingsglaive, whether it's me with Max or me with Mikowski against him and Anthony Henry. Uh, speaking of which, I would love to wrestle Anthony Henry again, whatever context he is to date, probably my favorite match that I've ever had. Uh, that's one right there. Who's who's a dream match or maybe someone who signed to a bigger TV deal that you're, that you would love to lock up with. There's two in my brain right now that I feel like you, what your style would be amazing. One's Um, an easy one. I, I think you could look at any sort of person on NXT UK. Uh, yeah. Butch, Tyler Bate, uh, Ilya, a- any of those guys. Um, Danielson. That's the big Zach one I would Saber say. Junior. Uh, Gresham. I never had a single match with him. You know who my pick would be, number one? Because I think you guys are both insanely technical, but also can do comedy very well. Uh, and you can switch between the two very easily. You and Kyle Ooh. O'Reilly. Oh, yes. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've, I, every time I've seen you wrestle, I get so much Kyle O'Reilly. Like, I'm like that. Like, I feel I like a lot of Kyle. compliment. Yeah. Because you can, you can do, like, Kyle is someone who is so, like, gritty and he could fucking kill somebody. He can go and have, like, him and Finn Balor going out there killing each other at NXT, but then he comes out and he's tuning a title, he's tuning a belt, and it's <laughs> like just like extremely wacky and funny. Like I feel like you you both have that great balance of serious breakneck wrestler, strong style, and then also can be extremely goofy in comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tr- I I have such an appreciation for people who can do it, and I don't think I got that appreciation until I started training where I realized how brilliant William Regal is, how fantastic uh, some of the Kurt Angle stuff was. Like, Kurt Angle's another guy who could legitimately out-wrestle the entire roster, but then you see him wear his little tiny cowboy hat (laughs) (laughs) with a milk truck. Yeah, just insanely goofy. But he, he shaped, like an industry for a while being the the guy who could be killer could could kill you but then be completely funny and comedy like it's it's wild it's wild to me it's it's the fact that he can do the stuff that he can like how he can wrestle as well as he is that makes it 
which is why he can get away with this silly stuff, I think. I, I, I totally agree. And I like how he can he can break that barrier down and be comfortable enough to like – because it takes guts to kind of be goofy or kind of come out of your comfort zone and be like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then you do it, you're like, oh, that's – I could – yeah, that's – that's like I could do that all day long now. You know what I mean? But that first initial like jump into the pool is like, bro, I, I've been – I'm an Olympic wrestler. What do you mean you want me to be a goofball? Like that's not yeah. who I am. I'm a killer. Like, <laughs> Yeah, what if what if people don't take me seriously? Like, <laughs> you you want a gold medal with a broken freaking neck like yeah we're gonna take you seriously <laughs> like Mikowski, i think is another great example of someone who can go out and be silly because he's a very funny guy yeah he can go out and be silly but then you realize like this man could kill everyone in the room what <laughs> <laughs> a spare hat but he's insanely humble he's just like nah Future it's episode like, coming up. Oh, man, man, I don't know. It's just I, I wanted to do this this backflip arm bar thing. It's like I don't know. Just, First time I seen know. that, I was I was like, did that just fucking happen? Like what? Still oh my god, those I, can't I be frog days. I need Mikowski to finally wrestle Alex Shelley. Yeah. Speaking. Speaking of speaking matches into existence, I need that. I, I I said, um, I think this is the time where he, now that he's back from injury, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good push for him because uh, with with Philly for a lot of you, uh, I'll ask you the same question that I ask him. Spoiler alert for a future episode: You we have a big show coming up in Philadelphia, uh, you know, with WrestleMania, and all eyes are gonna be on this scene, and you and a lot of those people that you've been working with especially in this philly area that been holding down this banner and been doing everything you've been doing do you look at that show and that weekend of like the independent shows that could be going on or all these collectives that are be going on and being like this is our time to shine this is our moment to go out there and have fun and showcase what we've been doing i have such a weird relationship with shows like that i think they're fantastic opportunities and it could be something where you know, people go out there and show like what they can do. Um, I don't want to look at anything pessimistically, but I feel like there is a bad habit with certain things being free monopolized by a set few people. Mm-hmm. It It can be fantastic. It can be a brilliant opportunity for some people. I just hope that they get those opportunities, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, because it, it could easily turn into well, whoever has the biggest view, the biggest audience, the biggest bankroll is going to put on the biggest shows and use all of the people they've been using the entire year that we've already been watching on their product instead of bringing like I thought it was done very well when it was on the West coast because I thought there was a lot of people who I've never seen before when they wrestled the West coast. I was like, Oh, now I want to go and I want to check out the, this talent and this talent, this talent and check out these promotions because they collaborated with these promotions and brought these people in, in those schools and they showcased them. I just hope that's done now that it's back in an area where they normally run anyway, like where they say like, Hey, 
I'm just I'm only using an example like like CZW or the Worldwide Dojo or places like that get that showcase where they say, well, here's our students. Here's who we've been working with. I just hope that's done, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think it was fantastic for the people on the West Coast because it was so say limited in the number of people that could get out there. And, you know, you kind of had to show a lot of those people for it. That was fantastic. Uh, maybe the biggest thing that soured it for me was when they had that event in, I think it was in Indiana, uh, and it felt like every single show had, this isn't a knock to any of the specific yeah. talents. I, I won't even say their names because I respect, I, these guys are all fantastic wrestlers. But it felt like every single show, no matter who was putting on the show, it was wrestler A, wrestler B, wrestler C, wrestler D. One single person that was like from that company. Uh, and it was just like every single show. Yeah. It's, it's nice when you take like, like if you take your big guy, right? Or I'll say like, I'll just do it from an independent standpoint. We have all these new release people from WWE, right? So you bring in insert Ali, and then you say Ali versus, and instead of saying like, all right, it's going to be Ali versus, you know, insert big name from the Super Indie. Like if that's your home promotion, that's who you work with, like, or that you're trying to showcase that local scene, like Ali versus Mikowski, and you throw a, mm-hmm. a name in there that you're not sure of. This way you get that guy some exposure uh, yep. that you've normally have given a hundred, like instead of saying like, I, and I want to say, I'm not saying this disrespect either, but like we've seen the like I can't even think of a name right now. Like Cardona, Cardona's doing very well with that. Way he goes to a promotion, takes the best guy from that promotion, and then showcases that guy from the promotion. Yeah. And instead of a guy who makes maybe makes his name in a promotion, he's the big guy, and he goes to another place, and he's the big guy there as well and he's the big guy here too and they're big guy here there and then he kind of like which is good for that person because he's getting work and he's getting the exposure but i feel like mania weekend is a good time to show new talent and show new abilities of people who maybe we haven't seen yet yeah it it felt like a lot of those sort of shows it would um it would be let's just use cardona since he's the name and he's super talented and he's gonna be fine regardless of what we say yeah. It, it would be like a show that w- has never used him before having Cardona versus Ali just because mm-hmm. that would be two very well-known people. It's like filling up the shows with matches like that where mm-hmm. it's not your regular roster. You're just doing it because there's name value. It doesn't put any value on those people because they're not being associated with it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, that I think is my biggest hesitation with shows like Mania Weekends. Now, I I'm fully open to being surprised, and you know, I I would love to see this be an opportunity because it can be a fantastic opportunity. I I hope that it can be that. If it is that, then super fantastic let let's have everyone get their shine let's have everyone get that spotlight uh and hopefully make some money in the process 
Yeah, totally. Uh, we always say it's like the uh, the speedball moment, right? Where speedball's like, I'll work a hundred shows because I want to get my name out there. And like that weekend, speedball was put in the map. Like you always look forward to every rainy weekend. Like who's gonna be that bright yes. star that we that that stands out? It's it, it's exciting. It's my favorite time of the year. It's like Christmas. It's like Super Bowl weekend for professional mm-hmm. wrestling, where it's Absolutely. not only do you get to see the biggest stage in, uh, of wrestling at main, WrestleMania. But then every other company kind of, whether they want to think it or not, or maybe it's a friendly competition, or maybe it's ugly and vicious, who knows? But at the end of the day, as fans, we benefit seeing amazing independent wrestling and seeing the local scene from that area that makes more people that say like, oh, I went to Mania Weekend, and I just, I'm a WWE guy, but then there was a show when I was here for a week, right down the road, and I didn't know I can go see these shows, and now you have new independent fans or mm-hmm. someone who traveled from across the world or uh, from the other coast to be like, this independent wrestling scene in the Northeast is amazing. Like, it's just a just a cool moment. Like, mm-hmm. for me personally, I just went to England. I went for All In in Wembley, and I had mm-hmm. an absolute blast. And now since being there, like, Progress and Defy, like, I can't wait to see more. And Rev Pro, like, I can't wait to see more of their content because I didn't really follow it until I went there and seen experienced it live. And now mm-hmm. I, I, I'm leaving. And well, actually, to be funny, it's you're, how we talked about two names that are maybe not regular members, but like I went there and watched Nick Wayne versus Casey Navarro, and I was like, "This is sick." <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Nick Wayne. Uh, they're both fantastic. It's. I almost want to punch Nick Wayne for being as young and talented as he is. Yeah, I well, it's funny because you have like the Nick Waynes and the Jordan Olivers and the Griffin McCoys and all those people, and you're like, oh, they're 18, they haven't paid their dues, and I'm like, yo, those kids have been going since they're 14. You just haven't known about it. Like, they probably have more yeah, ring time than at, some people who are like at their 20s and 30s. <laughs> yeah, like look at Jordan Oliver years ago. Like, yeah, he was one of those scrawny little beanpole guys. He put in so much work to be able to, you know, look the way he does now. Uh, it was the same sort of thing with Kyle Fletcher. I mm-hmm. was lucky enough to wrestle him when Chikara went for King of Trios back in England. Uh, at the time I had wrestled him, he was another guy. So scrawny, ended up putting in so much work, and now the dude's jacked. Could you imagine yes. being like the Billy Starks of the world where you're not even graduated high school yet and like 90% of the country wants to work you every weekend? Like that's going to be an insane feeling. <laughs> like I, I, just, I just saw something uh, maybe an hour or two ago that I, I don't know if, the, if it was official before, but I saw like the uh, Billy Starks is officially signed with AEW. Oh, they, they made it official? Yeah, I saw some official graphic for it. I'm like, That's oh, awesome. Freaking sweet. She's an I love how they're doing her and Athena together. It's so fucking entertaining. I love it so much. Uh, so that, that, they kind of did the same thing with her as they, they did with Willow, where Willow was there for a few months and putting the work mm-hmm. in, and we're like, oh, she's definitely going to be signed, but they, they didn't make it official, official. And then yeah. uh, then when they did, it was like it was like it was like a win for all of us because we, I mean, if you're in the Northeast scene and you didn't fall in love with Willow Nightingale, uh, you need your head checked. <laughs> I hit her with a uh, chair. <laughs> I watched her break uh, someone's eye at a uh, Avery Goods last show. She's a she's 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 tough, oh, man. That was, she, that was the hot sauce match, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, her versus hot sauce. That was insane match. 
Uh, unrelated, I think like a week or two after, I think it was the very next weekend I was supposed to wrestle Hot Sauce. Yeah. Uh, he had to pull out because of that. Um, I also had to pull out of that show. I I think I got a concussion. Yeah, I think it was in the same weekend. I had wrestled Rob Martyr, got a concussion. Hot Sauce wrestled Willow and, like, broke his face. Yeah. <laughs> Willow's a badass. I would, like, she's bubbly and smiley and she'll wave. But, yeah, when those straps come down, get the fuck yeah. out of the way. Stick <laughs> with the power. He's got the power. Yeah, definitely. I, I was I, I said earlier in an interview, I said the two people on the scene that I was that's like very bubbly, very funny, entertaining, smile will draw you in with their 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 intoxication of their of their pretty face and also their smile. But when you get in the ring, they will break your face is her and er- Willow and Erica Lee. Like Erica Lee hits hard. She's <laughs> <laughs> harder than they, you expect to. Yeah, she's a badass. Badass. And she'll Absolutely. be saying honk, honk, pee, pee while she's doing it. <laughs> and then if she doesn't break your face, she's going to tag her boar partner, and he's going to kick your face. <laughs> he's that's a ta- that's, Yeah. <laughs> he, he's strong boy. Yeah. Who, who who do you think is one of the stronger people you work? Like, is boar and Max Zero up there? Because Max is incredibly strong. Max is ridiculously strong. Uh, I don't he think moves people, he means humans that like they shouldn't like he picks up humans as if they're just infant childs and he just like from they're laying on their back and it's like vertical suplex. <laughs> like, what? I, I don't think I've ever wrestled against Max. That's enough. probably good. That's probably why you're still you have a long career, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of people that I've wrestled that I know are just ridiculously strong. Uh, I remember wrestling JTG. He's very yeah. strong. It, it's like one of those things like, yeah, he's a big guy and like he looks like he's strong. And then he picks me up like I'm a child. I was like, oh, yeah, you're strong. <laughs> I just got dominated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so besides professional wrestling, what else are you into? What are some, what are some of your other passions or hobbies that you like? Uh, I... I have my L1. I coach uh, CrossFit at a local gym. Uh, I love being able to do that. I am in the process of trying to finish a game that I had started probably 20 years ago. I'm trying to finish it. What game is that? Um, do you know the game Legend of Dragoon? I think I've heard of it. It was a PlayStation 1 game that had, like, four discs. Uh, had this very unique battle mechanic where you everything was kind of timing-based. Okay. You had to do everything within perfect timing in order to execute a combo. Anyway, I uh, when I was a kid, I had played that game, I think, on my brother's PlayStation. And it's four discs. I got to the very final boss battle that is split into four phases. I had finally finished that. Like I had tried over and over and over and over again, and I couldn't, I couldn't beat it. I had finally, I finally defeated the final boss. 
And in the final cutscene, uh, the game freezes. So like a scratch on the disc. I guess it very oh, much no. felt like oh. it very much felt like I was robbed that. So I found out that it is available for like the PlayStation Premium whatever thing. Yeah, it's on their arcade. So I signed up for it and I've been playing it. And uh, I got the notice that my thing was going to renew. I want to say this weekend. So I'm really trying to finish the game and cancel my <laughs> PlayStation Premium. Do you feel better at the game now that you're an adult than when you were a kid? Like, do you feel like you're you're beating it easier? I, I definitely understand like the story and how everything works better now. You know what game is annoying me? I I played a little bit of it this weekend. Uh, I re-downloaded like the crashes and the spiros, and I'm thinking like, as a kid, they they pissed me off because they were hard. Like some of them were hard for no reason. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm an adult. I've been playing video games now for 30 years. I'm gonna play Crash and Spyro, and I'm gonna just whoop this game's ass. And then you're one level, and you're like, fuck this game. <laughs> you just uninstall. <laughs> I'm like, this is for kids. How can I not beat this? Crash was hard. Yeah. I thought as a kid it was no problem. And then I get older and I'm just like, I, I want to kill myself because I can't beat this you're one so, level. You're spo- you're so spoiled by good controls and like you know Yeah, that's exactly what it comes down to. Camera. Yeah, you know, I try I went back and tried to play Resident Evil One. I was like, how did I play this as a kid? I can't move. I, I the remember tank. when I, I remember I was in high school and I had borrowed a friend's like a friend was really hyping up devil may cry so i borrowed it one day and i'm playing it and at the time i was playing it this game was incredibly dated like i'm playing it it was like these controls freaking suck (laughs) it was one of those things like that like this game's hard (laughs) well i am starting um by the time you guys see this, hopefully I'll have a few episodes out. But I am bringing back my uh, not cool in high school, where I do like we talk, we pick like a video game or a movie or a TV show, and we kind of like talk about it and why we like it. So maybe I have you back on for one of those content, and you can bring yep. back Legend of Dragon. You can say like, why did I like this game, or why did I go back and play? And we can do a whole episode. We'll find fun facts about it, maybe some dev facts of like why it was made, how much it made. Uh, so if you're interested. Let me know. I'm also Absolutely. doing a bunch of horror movie ones. So if I see a little creature of Black Lagoon going on back there, we'll we can do some <laughs> we'll do some I, classic horror movies. I, I think my my favorite part about that movie is like if you watch it and look at it from the creature's perspective, he's just an old guy in his house when some a hole people come up, and make a bunch of noise. So he just starts smacking them around. It's like get out of my lagoon. Get out of my house. Leave me alone. I just watched that shape of water. That was that was interesting. That's like very new version of creature from Black Lagoon ish. Yeah. But uh all right. So where can people find you on social media? Where can they support you? And what are some promotions that can go and watch some of your your work? So uh social media, you can find me on uh Twitter, Instagram. It's the same handle, Travis underscore Huckabee. Uh, I think there is a link to a t-shirt you can buy. Uh, it might be a brain buster store on my Twitter. I'm working on a new 
on a new t-shirt. Hopefully that works out. We'll see. Uh, as far as promotions, we mentioned a few. Uh, Grind Pro is one of my homes up in Massachusetts. I love them. I love working up there. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, speaking of New England, Woods Creek Pro, it's another one based out of Connecticut, but they do stuff in Massachusetts, Vermont. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, I am going down this weekend for Virginia Championship Wrestling. I'll be having a match down there. I am slated to be coming back down that way in November if uh, if anyone's local to that. As far as the Philadelphia scene, high tension we've already mentioned. Uh, I should be back that way soon. Even if I'm not, it's a fantastic crew, uh, fantastic people that I've been training with, wrestling with, have helped train for years. Uh, there's some of the main ones that I love. I'm thinking if there's any other ones I should shout them out. But if you guys follow me on either of those social medias, Twitter, Instagram, you will see me posting uh, updates for pending match cards. Uh, anyone's looking for a wrestling school, I would either say in the Philadelphia area, I would either say the Worldwide Dojo or Catchpoint. I'm regularly mm. at those places. They're fantastic staffing. Where's Catchpoint at? It? Uh, Catchpoint, I think, is out of Kensington. Uh, Worldwide Dojo is in Bristol, PA. Yeah, I know. I know. I never heard of Catch the other one. I'm just that's why I was curious. Uh, who runs that one? That's owned and operated by Drew Gulak. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he owns it. He's got trainers there, Wheeler Yuta, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams. Oh, that sounds like a fantastic school as well, yeah. <laughs> Ever heard of them? <laughs> they, they had very recently opened up. Um, yeah. It's only been a couple months. But sounds like they have a little bit of an ad problem there between Gulak and, uh, and, and Hot Sauce. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, go – Go watch these people uh, on TV. Orange Cassie, Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, uh, Drew Gulak. All these people deserve all the flowers that that you can give them. Bryce. Bryce, yes. Uh, if you haven't, go watch Bryce Remsburg, referee, Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's a he's a, he's a gem. Yes, go watch that match if you haven't. It is a it is required viewing. Yeah. Well, listen, Travis, thank you so much for doing this. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode. Episode 90. We're 10 away. We're getting there. Closing in on the end of the season. Episode 100. Will it happen this year or will it be the first one of the new year? We don't know. I obviously don't know either. <laughs> but we'll see you guys next time for the ABJ Podcast. We're out of here. <laughs>